So um, we're in the uh, we're in the second message of a brand new series that we just started. Like the Kingdom Invitation is the name of this series. Okay, and usually I I always try to teach so that um, something's wrong. No, maybe it just feels weird. I'll get used to it. Um, I always try to teach so that messages can totally stand alone, and that's true in this case. Um, This can stand alone. I just want to tell you, and it's not often I do this, but I'm going to go ahead and do this anyway. Are we out on podcast for last week's message yet? Okay, we'll have that up by tomorrow. Um, It's so important that um, that since it's the first message of this series, it really grounds Everywhere we're going to be going for, I have no idea how many messages, um, how long the series is going to be. I'll let you know that later. <laughs> but um, I am recommending go listen to that um, because it'll, it'll set a foundation. You won't be missing anything today if you haven't heard it yet. That's fine. Um, but I want to start with one verse. Last week we did Psalm 90. Um, I think we began with that. And we did the whole psalm. And I, I recommend go back and do that, but I'm going to grab a couple of verses that are grounding for this series, okay? And so this is um, Psalm 90, verse 10. And actually, I'm going to do something weird. You're going to be seeing New King James up here because we don't have the passion on the computer. I'm going to fix that. But um, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation because it borrows from the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the original Hebrew text. And it's just so awesome the way, the insight that you get when you read from here. So um, here we go. Psalm 90. I'm starting, actually I'm starting, yeah, verse 10. You've limited our lifespan to a mere 70 years, yet some you give grace to live still longer. But even the best of years are marred by tears and toils, and in the end are nothing more than a gravestone in a graveyard. That's heavy. (laughs) Sorry about that. It's just, that's what they printed in here. Um, So what's it saying so far? In other words, we we are limited. Now, in the beginning of this psalm, in the beginning of Psalm 90, it makes it clear, Moses actually wrote this psalm, and he makes it clear that um, we are eternal because we're, Jesus made us. So, So you were made into not having an end. I mean, in a sense, there's even bad news in that, depending on where you stand, because the word of God is pretty clear that like judgment is also eternal. Why? Because because he made you, he didn't make you to have a final death. (laughs) Okay. The question is just what transition are you going to make? Right. Okay. But that's not why we're reading this. Um, It's really verse 11. Okay. So that that sets um, what he really has to say next. Yeah, actually, the the end of verse 10. We're gone so quickly, so swiftly, we pass away and simply disappear. Now, verse 11. Lord, who fully knows the power of your passion and the intensity of of your emotions? Yeah, that's how he is over you. He does love you like that. You know, he has a, he has a, what does it say? He has, um... A power of passion over you. He has an intensity of emotions over you. And here it is, verse 12. Help us to remember that our days are numbered and help us to interpret our lives correctly. 
That's this series. We're going to be doing the, the kingdom invitation. It's in, we can't even begin in the kingdom invitation, the doorway. And we're going to look at that this morning if we don't interpret our lives correctly. This is, he's making this as a prayer, right? He's saying, um, help us to interpret our lives correctly. Set your wisdom deeply in our hearts so that we may accept your correction. Now, last week we said correction is not being slapped around. Correction, sometimes he does that, thank God. I needed it plenty of times in my life. Slap me around, Lord, when I need it. But that's not what that means. That just means putting on the right course. How many of you know we all have times in our life where we need to be set on the right course? I'm going this way. I don't want to be one degree off of where Jesus is going. You? Correct me, Lord. And it requires wisdom in our hearts to be corrected. Set your wisdom deeply in our hearts so that we may accept your correction. I had to do that one again um, because today we're still kind of setting the stage. I told you last week in this series we're going to be looking at the words of Jesus, okay? Parables, things that, who was he really? What did he actually say? about the kingdom of God that he said was upon you. There is a need to read afresh like you've never heard it before, and we're going to take a look at that. So I just want to tell you in advance what we're about to do this morning. Um, We're going to talk about positioning. How many times did you hear Jesus say, if you have ears to hear, then hear this? That's positioning, okay? If you have eyes to see... In other words, it's possible that you don't have eyes to see. (laughs) Jesus' words can be coming at you, and there are no eyes or ears to to see or hear. It makes sense. And I want to tell you, um, I'm just going to even tell you right here in advance before we even get going. I think the longer we've known Jesus, the longer we've been a Christian, the harder it gets to have eyes and ears, eyes and ears. (laughs) to have new understanding, new revelation. I firmly believe that. In fact, I'm going to prove it in the Word of God today, and it leads to an invitation. Okay? So um, go to John chapter 9. Now, the other kind of odd thing I'm doing today, I already apologized to Paula back there because I have so much Scripture. My intention is I'm going to let the Word of God speak for itself this morning. Um, I'm going to try not to ramble, <laughs> not to go on and on too much. I think the word of God mostly. So we, we're going to plow through a whole bunch of scripture. Stories you already know. And my invitation right now, in fact, I'm going to pray this. Just pray with me. Lord, I pray that those who are here right now will have the ability to hear this like they've never heard it before. I ask that you would release fresh revelation in stories and words of yours that they have heard before, but we're asking for the new thing that you want to say. Thank you, Jesus. Do you all believe that he just answered that prayer? And say amen with me. Okay. John chapter 9. I'm going to start in verse 18, okay? And I want to set this up because I'm obviously starting in the middle of a chapter. Um, Jesus just healed a blind man. In fact, he healed a man who was blind from birth. Now, you have to understand, you have to know this. 
in their culture, that wasn't just a malady. Like, that would be terrible if that was your son, right? Somebody listening that might be out there on the internet. That might even be true for you out there. In their culture, it was even worse. In other words, let me tell you something. What it means is the family lived in shame because they believed that maladies like that were either caused by your own sin or were caused by iniquity. Okay, iniquity was the sins of your ancestors, of your parents or your grandparents. It could be to the, in many places, to the 10th generation. In other words, even the parents of this son lived with a certain degree of shame because from birth, well, what does that point to? If our son was born blind from birth, what does that point to? Ah, the parents, the family must have iniquity, <laughs> right? In fact, at the beginning of this chapter, it starts out and they're, they're, they're testing Jesus and they're saying, who sinned, him him or, or his parents? Okay. It was from birth. <laughs> okay, so kind of a stupid question, but it gives, it gives um, a glimpse of the mindset and what this family lived through. Now, Jesus healed this man. The, the Pharisees don't want to accept it, the, so they call the man. They, they call him and, and bring him in, and they say, how were you healed? And he explains it. He says, well, this was the healing. Y'all know this one. This was the healing where the Lord mixed up mud, smeared it in his eyes. Thank God the Lord didn't do that twice in the scriptures, or every church would have a, a mud basin in the back, and that would be the way healing is done. Right? And then we'd never keep the carpet clean. So that would have been terrible. <laughs> so that's the context. Now I'm going to start reading. I'm reading right in verse 18, okay? But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? Okay, now remember their context. They've just been hauled in front of the religious leaders. They would have a certain fear, and I'm going to show you for various reasons, for being in front of the religious leaders, one I've already told you about. Verse 20, his parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son. Okay, they're saying what they know, and that he was born blind. By what means he now sees, we do not know, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He's of age, ask him. It's fair, right? Now, I'm telling you, they're, they're answering that way from the cultural context, from a certain fear of being hauled in front of the religious leaders. They say, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Kicked out of the church, in other words, for professing Jesus. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So verse 24, so they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. Now, when they said that, they're talking about Jesus, right? They're saying, we know Jesus is a sinner. Give God the glory by admitting that. That's what that means. Look how much trouble they're going through. <laughs> 
(laughs) to make somebody a sinner. Do you see it? I mean, that doesn't matter as long as it's not them. It can either be the parents, um, it can be the it can be the blind man, the son. It could be it can be Jesus. That one's a, that one's a no brainer for them. Jesus can be the sinner, but they're working really hard to make sure somebody's the sinner. <laughs> Verse twenty five. He answered and said, "Whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know." This is the blind man's response. One thing I know. That though I was blind, now I see. You see, what's he saying? There's a lot I don't know about him. (laughs) But I'll tell you what I know. Now, let me tell you something how this relates to our life. And it's going to lead us where we're going. People who've been healed, people who've been set free by Jesus, people that have had him give breakthrough in their life, in other words, have had a changed life because Jesus is alive and real, and he's not a dumb, mute idol. He is the one God, and he's real. People who've had their lives changed, um, they know what they need to know. (laughs) Are you following me? The religious leaders that, that have not had their lives changed in a personal way um, are the ones who are going to look for religion. And we're going to see that in this story and others this morning. That's why I'm reading so fast. I have to. You just have to permit me that. Verse 26. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Now, I want to tell you, we didn't read it this morning, but I, I told you earlier they already asked him and, they, and he already answered. He already said, he made mud, he put it in my eyes, he told me to go wash myself, and I could see. Now they're asking again, and verse 27, listen to this man's answer. He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. (laughs) Oh, the blind man (laughs) found some courage to talk to the religious leaders. You know, this guy would have lived in shame utter shame all of his life. And now he's standing in front of the religious leaders saying, what are you asking me again for? I already told you and you didn't listen. They didn't have ears to hear. Now I'm going to show you, this is leading us somewhere. So just just keep going with me. They didn't have ears to hear. Why do you want to hear it again? Now listen, (laughs) do you also want to become his disciples? I'm so glad you laughed. If y'all sat there and you didn't laugh at that moment, I was going to pack up and go home. That had to be a stinger. (laughs) You want to be his disciples? Can you imagine? Okay, that's what he said. That's what he said. Verse 28, then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. Do you know what that statement means? It's they're, they're saying, we choose the law. Give me a list with checkboxes, <laughs> and we'll abuse people with it. Uh, that's the commentary by little Polly. But um, that's, that's really what that's saying. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he's from. Now listen to what this guy says to that. The man who's just been healed answered it and said, why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he's from. Yet he's opened my eyes. He's marveling at their ignorance. (laughs) The religious leaders, he's marveling at their ignorance. 
the man has just been healed. Verse 31 goes on to say, Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Now, I want to tell you what's significant to see here. The Pharisees that this man's talking to would know these things since childhood, since Torah school. They've been taught who God hears and who God doesn't hear. So <laughs> he, he should be preaching to the choir, but I'm showing you, I'm going to show you that he's not. He goes on and says, blind man or the healed man <laughs> still speaking since the world began it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind they had no recording that never happened before now i'll tell you um what we don't know generally when we're reading in the gospels is that that there was a short list of particular miracles that were prophesied and in their culture they were waiting for it wasn't unheard of that they did miracles they had their exorcists at the temple, and, and they, had, they saw healing. God was good, always. Oh, he is good, was, always will be. And so they saw the goodness of God. They had miracles. But there were particular miracles that they were waiting for so that they got, I, could identify, there's the Messiah. This was one of them. Okay? I may not have the whole list. I, um, but there are, there are others. Um, healing a leper. Okay, was one of them that they were waiting. The raising of the dead was another that they were waiting for. I tried to jot down a couple just this morning. Um, well, that's good for now. The important thing to get is that, in other words, this man who was just healed is the one who's standing in front of the religious leaders and saying, you are seeing the miracles that you have been waiting for. And he's teaching them which is literally verse 34, they, the Pharisees, answered and said, um, you were completely born in sins and are you teaching us? Now, I got to make the inflection right here. You know what they're doing? They're going, are you teaching us? Seriously, that's what, see it with fresh eyes. That's what's going on here. And it makes you want to stop and go, um, yes, yes, he is. <laughs> He's teaching you. And the next part says, and they cast him out. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There are barriers. Go ahead and just for a moment, even if it hurts a little, and include yourself with the Pharisees. I'm going to tell you something. We bring preconception to Jesus and his words that are barriers to being receivers of the kingdom, what this entire um, series is about. We do have preconceptions. Do you know what that is? Bringing preconceptions of Jesus and his words that are barriers. Do you know what that's called? Idolatry. <laughs> it is. That's making a false image. And I'm just going to put out there, I'm as guilty as anyone. I stand here not above you, but with you. We do bring idolatries of our image of Jesus, of what his words meant of how available the kingdom that's, that's here is, our preconceptions, and I'm going to prove it in the word of God, cause us to, be, to fail to receive the kingdom that Jesus said is here, is within your reach, is upon you. And he said it then. That's, that's a done deal. It's finished. His kingdom is here. 
The question is whether we are, we are positioned, whether we're able to receive. You all know the parable of the sower, um, or I should say almost all of you out there know the parable of the sower. What, do you remember, how does he describe what's the good soil? Who's got it? Those who hear and understand and produce fruit. In other words, the ability to receive the kingdom, the ability to receive the words of Jesus require a couple of things. We have to be able to hear. We have to be able to understand. And, of course, um, that just leads to the production of fruit, right? Okay. Go to, well, let me see. I was going to keep reading here. Um, Yeah, no, we have to. Go on to verse 35. Um, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? You got Who did Jesus go after? They cast him out. He heals this man, and they cast him out because he's received the goodness of the kingdom that's, that, <laughs> that is available. And he seeks him out, and he says, do you believe in the Son of God? Verse 36, he answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? You got to recognize the last time he was with Jesus, he was blind. <laughs> because his healing process required that, that he, he get the mud, he go off to the pool and cleanse. And so he's not actually seen Jesus with his physical eyes yet. And so he's saying, who is this? Verse 37, Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he who's talking to you. In other words, he's saying, it's me. And then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Now listen, these words might be the biggest words in the word of God. I get to say that about different words next week, but this morning, these are the biggest. Verse 39, and Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world. Now there's a comma there, and the sentence keeps going, but stop for a minute. I want you to grab, you know, there are other places, I think we read some today if we get to it, where he says, I have not come to condemn the world, but what? But that all may be saved. Here he says, "Um, I've come to judge the world. How do you reconcile the two? I'm going to tell you it's in the words that follow. For judgment I've come into this world. Now listen, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. (laughs) Those are tough words, aren't they? What does that mean? I'm going to tell you, I I think, I'm just going to put a little spin here. You're going to see it as as we keep going. That those who do not see may see. In other words, those who approach with, I don't know anything. (laughs) I don't claim to see. I may have been a Christian all my life, but I don't claim to, to know. I don't claim to see, okay? As opposed to those who think they see are those that are made blind by the presence of Jesus. Now watch this. It goes on. We're going to, um, don't let your brain smoke too hard. We're going to move on, and I'm going to show you this. This actually makes great sense. Verse 40, then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? Now listen, these are even, put your seatbelt on, these are even worse. 
Verse 41, Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Yet Jesus was all about removing sin. <laughs> Redemption, freedom, breakthrough, healing, the removal of the consequences of sin. And that G Jesus says here, um, what is it that makes sin remain? You say, we see. You see, the Pharisee barrier invites yourself um, to admit that you've got a little Pharisee in you. <laughs> it's okay. I'll give you a minute to let the pain dribble off. <laughs> There's some Pharisee in there. Wherever you say, I see, Jesus says your sin remains. In fact, I have way too many notes. In fact, I want to tell you Jesus' definition of blindness. I'm going to prove it. It must be right here. Do you know Jesus' definition? That is his definition of blindness. Believing you see. Believing you know it all. Um. You see, we have to do this before we move on in this series and we start diving into Jesus' words because if we go to the words of Jesus, to his parables, to the things that he did, sitting there thinking, I've heard this story before I see, <laughs> then we're going nowhere. I know you know him. I, I get it. And you, you must never let go of the intimacy you have, of the ways that you know him. But if, you're, if your approach is... I already see these words have nothing for me. I've, already, I've read these before. I know that parable. Um, then we're, going, we're not going to be positioned to receive more of the kingdom of God. And that's his game plan in this harvest that's breaking out. Go to um, Matthew 23. I'm not plowing as fast as I thought I would. This is obviously going to be at least another message before we move on. Matthew 23, I'm going to start in verse 15, and I just want to tell you context here. If we had started reading earlier, he just got done um, talking about the Pharisees wanting the best seats and stuff like that. Um, and he, he's just got done talking about don't, don't be called rabbi or teacher because only I am your teacher. You got it? That's, that's what he's been doing. And now he goes in and he starts saying things. Verse 15, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he's one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Wow. Invitation to a kingdom. What are they inviting people to? <laughs> to follow the checkboxes. Oh, here it is. I should tell you this before I read on. Jesus' definition of blindness is religious thinking. You know, you cannot um, think religiously and at the same time and see and hear Jesus' words. You cannot enter the kingdom via religious thinking. 
See, I, the reason I've got so many pages of notes up here is because um, Jesus spared no expense to make sure the Bible was full of words that say what I just said. It's impossible. You cannot enter the door or receive the kingdom to see and understand and produce fruit from the words of Jesus through religious thinking. Jesus... Jesus went on and on and on about it. I have pages and pages. I pre- I'm, I'm realizing I'm not going to be able to torture you with all of it this morning. But um, he goes on, verse 16, he says, Woe to you blind guides. Verse 17, fools and blind. You see, it's all about the ability to see. Verse 19, fools and blind. I want to start reading actually at 23. He's going on and on about how they are abusing people with religion and creating a barrier to the kingdom that's upon them. Verse 23 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay, t- um, you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. You know, they would measure it out exactly how much they owed. So they didn't give too much, but they certainly wouldn't want to not give enough. That's what this is talking about. And have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Do you know this is the same root? What the word weight, um, weightier or weight is, is the same word. It's the same root of the word that they use for glory. The glory of God is simply the weight of God. And so here we could really read this as Jesus is saying, and you've neglected the glory of God in the law. Wouldn't you love to know what Jesus thought was the glory or the weightier part? That's good news. He says just next, justice and mercy and faith. Not the check boxes. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. They neglected the weightier matters of the Lord. Let me tell you something. Religious thinking is the theft of the glory of God. And it will repel people from the kingdom of God, not invite them to receive it. Go to Matthew 15. Yeah, we'll go ahead. uh, You know what? Skip Matthew 15. Skip that with me. (laughs) I want to read this instead. Go to John chapter 3. You all know Nicodemus. He was not only a Pharisee, but he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a teacher of teachers, a ruler of rulers. And yet, what the Bible records is that this is a guy who's breaking out. I mean, this man is in serious interior conflict. He's a mess. I mean, <laughs> the presence of Jesus has made him an absolute mess. And he's realizing religion doesn't have it, but he's, he's fighting his way through this. Okay, and here... Um, Here in verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, why did he come by night? 
Yeah, he couldn't come during the day. He couldn't go talk to the heretic. <laughs> Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Do you recognize that's the same thing the healed blind man said? Now, here's a Pharisee who is struggling with it. He sees that that is true. And so he's checking it out. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Isn't that strange? Born again. You know, I think as Christians, half the time we use these words abusively on people. <laughs> unless you're born again, unless you're born again. I don't even think mo most of the time we aren't even thinking with the slightest clue of what born again is. <laughs> We're just wielding it like a, like, um, like a parrot says something. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? That's a reasonable question, right? <laughs> Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless he's born of, of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Now watch, here's why we're reading, here's why we had to do this today. Verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? I think we can all appreciate he's still, he's still exploring here, right? He's, he wants to know, how can these things be? But now watch Jesus' response. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Listen, there's, <laughs> there's a bit of rebuke in, in that response from Jesus. You're a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Watch this, verse 11. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we've seen, and you do not receive our witness. Here it is, verse 12. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Now, guys, look with, look with fresh eyes like you've never heard this story before. You recognize what Jesus just said? He just said, what I'm talking about here is earthly things. <laughs> In other words, I'm not even talking about the heavenly things that I want you to receive yet. This is just the doorway. This is just the positioning. You see, what is it to be born again? It means you have no preconceptions that are hindering. It means you're coming with fresh eyes to receive what would be unbelievable to the old you. The old you could never believe the words of Jesus. You can read them in your Bible and all day long and not receive any of it in a life-changing way that manifests the kingdom of God. Why do we have to be born again? <laughs> because you can't bring your old conceptions with you and believe God. <laughs> you need the Spirit of God. You need a new spirit that brings no baggage with, that, ha that has open hands to receive what God has to give. Jesus calls it earthly things when he's talking to Nicodemus. 
Wondering if I'm right? Look what it says. Verse 13. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. Jesus is speaking of himself and says, that is the son of man who is in heaven. You notice he still considers himself in heaven. That's present tense. You see, a good Jewish boy would understand that heaven is not up there. (laughs) Heaven is, they didn't separate. They would say the realm of heaven is right here. There's the physical realm and there's the heavenly realm. That's why Jesus can say, son of man who is in heaven. Okay, it's present tense. Now listen, verse 14, and Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You know, it's at this point, I just want to, I feel, I'm going to do one more thing before we're done, but before we go there, I feel like the Lord put on my heart to apologize on behalf of the church to so many people out there. Because here's what I know. I've seen it all my life. I know that you have have had the church try to bring you to Jesus by religious means. And that's called spiritual abuse. It's the thing Jesus most, in fact, you might say it's the only thing he attacked. I suppose there are a few others. But he spent a lot of time attacking people, trying to, to facilitate God's kingdom through religious means. That's, that's called spiritual abuse. And I just want to take a moment this morning, and I want to make a corporate apology. I want to repent for everyone out there that's ever been abused by a church, a pastor, a friend. I don't care who it was, someone who created a barrier while they thought they were bringing you into the kingdom of God and they thought they would do it by religious means. Jesus never even pretended like there was an entry to the kingdom through religion. He called them whitewashed tombs when they did that. And I'm sorry that happened to you. And I want to tell you, today, Jesus' voice rings out and he says, he says the same thing he's saying to Nicodemus. All you got to do is be born again. All you have to do is let go of all the religious preconceptions that have been heaped on you, all the abuse that's been heaped on you. Just be born again. <laughs> it's that easy. Just lay down your preconceptions and accept what I actually say. And that's what we're going to do in this series. If you're out there and you've never done that, probably because you've been abused by the church and people have used religion to create a barrier to you, I want to just say, even right now at home, you can just do that right now. You can just say, I want to be born again. (laughs) Jesus, tell me how I receive the kingdom. And he'll speak. He doesn't even need me to do it. He will speak to you right where you're at and begin to hand you the kingdom. I want to show you... uh, One more thing. I just want to quickly show you a pattern. Someday I'm going to try to bring the appropriate amount of notes. 
Do you notice, I'm just going to put it out there and then I'm going to prove it in the word of God. Do you notice that every time the disciples or anyone else really, the multitudes, they get too heady? <laughs> they start to think they have access to the kingdom of God by thinking or, or getting the law right. Do you know what he does every single time? He hauls a child in front of them. It's true. I, I know you know the verses where um, they bring children and Jesus is, um, uh, they, they rebuke people that are bringing the children, the disciples do. And they're like, oh, don't bother them, you know, don't bring the kids. You guys know the stories. But have you ever read far enough before that when you read that part and then read far enough after to make sure you see the context? I mean, I'm telling you, every time they get too religious, every time they get heady, every time they get into a competition with each other, <laughs> that's the other barrier. And I'll show you. If they argue about who's the greatest, <laughs> or if they argue about the law, what about divorced people? What does God think about divorce? And they begin to get all heady, like, like it really has anything to do with receiving the kingdom of God, the next thing you read in each of the Gospels is the father sends a child into their midst and Jesus welcomes the child. <laughs> Watch this. Um, I'll do this quickly, I promise. Mark 10 and, um, and verse 2. Here's, here's just the first. I'm just going to give you a couple. The Pharisees came and asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Testing him. Remember what we said at the beginning of the service? These are the people Jesus scatters. Oh, you've come to test me? <laughs> you don't have a chance. You know what that means? You won't have eyes to see, you won't have ears to hear, and you do not have a heart that's ready to receive any understanding if you've shown up to test me. And they answered, um, and he answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. And then Jesus answered and said, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote this precept. Now listen, for time's sake, the conversation goes on and on about the law and adultery. And what about this? What about that? But then in verse 13, see, I'm going to show you a pattern. It's very important to read through the scriptures, not pick a little spot. Verse 13 says, then they brought little children to him. <laughs> that's the context in they brought little children to show up in this adult conversation this is so important you see but jesus that was not the weightier part of the law that was not the glory of god so he's like we better bring in the ones who can understand the weightier part of the law so the father sends a child that he might touch them but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Did you, did you even try to look at that like you've never heard it before? Because <laughs> we can just do it again. Do you want to do a redo or did you do it the first time? 
Those are some, those are some words, man. Whoever doesn't receive, how does a child receive? Like they've never seen it before. <laughs> yeah. Do you know we read things like the words of Jesus where he says, if you ask anything in my name, you receive it. Well, our adult mind, our Pharisee mind goes, nuh-uh, I've got a whole bunch of experience that says that's not what happens half of the time when you pray in Jesus' name. <laughs> well, it's because you're not receiving the kingdom. Why? Because only a child, in Jesus' own words, is the one who can receive the kingdom. My guess is, is that the half of the prayers that he didn't answer that are in his name in accordance with his will that do not get answered were prayed for from the idolatry mind, from the Pharisee mind. I, I'm going to put out there, and I felt the conviction myself as I prepared this message. I'm just going to put out there, I have a feeling I didn't crawl up in his lap like a child with the kind of faith that a child has when I had that conversation with Jesus. I think we do that all the time. I think it is our battle. Our battle is receiving the kingdom of God, and Jesus' own words say, only a child, only born again, like you've never seen it before. We talk about children are naive, right? Gullible. That's the word I meant to use, gullible. Naive is a different thing. Children are gullible, right? I believe the Lord revealed this to me. I, it was, I had to just sit and think on it for a while. Do you know who's gullible? Adults. <laughs> We've been tormented by an enemy and a tyrannical world that has brainwashed our minds and made us ridiculously gullible. We believe anything and everything, even though it's completely contrary to God and the words Jesus spoke. And we do it all the while. I'm not questioning your love for Jesus. I'm not questioning your salvation. I'm just saying we've become adults that the world has, has brainwashed into being so gullible we can barely believe Jesus' words anymore. <laughs> the wisest of the kingdom by Jesus' own words, are the ones who bring no preconception, that they are not, they have not been made gullible by this world. They only have their faith in God. They crawl up in Jesus' lap and they have a conversation about what they need. Bring a child. Again, in Luke 18, here they're talking about um, tax collectors, two men. Actually, Jesus is telling this parable. Um, let me try that again. Verse 9, also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. <laughs> do you hear the theme? This was the, um, this is, I have come that those who do not see will have their eyes opened and see and that those who see or think they do will be made blind. Well, here, this particular parable is spoken to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And then he goes on into, two, you guys know this parable, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. 
Sounds like the beginning of a joke, doesn't it? <laughs> I have a feeling he had a little humor going on here. Fresh eyes. Have you ever read it? Like Jesus is like, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> you know, Jesus was a really fun guy, right? I can tell you that because I know him. He's still fun. I don't know why I talked in past tense. He's, he knows fun. That's why our wedding invitations say, when you hand those out to people, invite them to the party. <laughs> Jesus is the one who knows party. I think he's partying right here. Two men went up to the temple. Can you see? <laughs> the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. You got it? Now, I'm not even going to keep reading that parable. I dare you to go do it this week. But go to verse 15. Then they also brought infants to him <laughs> that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him and said, Let the little children come to, be in, come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means even enter it. It's context. Every time they get heady. You see, Jesus only had one mission. He only ever taught about one thing. Receiving the kingdom. Inviting people into the kingdom. Come to this kingdom. You've been abused by a world kingdom. I come to bring a different one. It's upon you. His message was, it's here. When he sent the 12 disciples, he said, go out and tell them, the kingdom is here. <laughs> and then show them. Heal them. Cast out demons. Set them free. Give them the breakthroughs of the kingdom. That's your calling. That's your anointing. And he said, the only way you receive it is like a child. Every time they got all heady. It's bad news for seminary graduates. I'm just saying that a lot of money goes into school loans. <laughs> Only to find out later that the ones who see most clearly, the ones who are most ready to receive the kingdom are those that are like a child. The only ones that can actually receive it. Freely give. Freely you've received, freely give. It's that free. It actually doesn't even require... I'm, the, I'm, I'm talking about myself. I have the school loans. <laughs> I have the school loans to prove it. It's very expensive that way. But Jesus' yoke is easy. Okay, I better... Um, if I go any further, then we'll be here for like 10 more pages of notes. So what do we do about it? <laughs> I mean, I'm seriously. What can you do? Just go, okay, I'm going to see from the eyes of a child then. I'm done with that. <laughs> I'll tell you what I think we can do. And I believe this is the kingdom, in, this is the kingdom invitation. Like a child, we can bring him that. We can, I believe we can crawl up in his lap and go, go, Lord, 
I'm pretty sure that far too much of the time I think I see. I think I got it all figured out. <laughs> I can go off and, and do the religion, or I can go off and do the ministry. I don't even need to talk with you much. I already read your parable on, on the one subject. I think we do that. We, th we think we see, but I think what we can do about it is um, he promised the Spirit to open our eyes, to open our ears, to make our hearts the soil that can receive again. And I think we can just admit it to him. Does anybody want to just admit I do that probably most of the time, far too much of the time? Okay, so in just a second, I'm just going to pray together. And um, I try not to pray unless I'm expecting a miracle. Um, otherwise, I'm not sure what I'm praying for. Um, I need what only God can do. We need only what God can do. So in just a minute, I just invite us all. I'm going to say, let's all crawl up in his lap like a child for a minute. And let's just admit to him that we've become really gullible. <laughs> and, and ask him in his mercy to strip off our barriers that we could be like children again and become the releasers, those who can receive the kingdom like never before. Are you in? If you're in, raise your hand. Okay. Almost everybody. All right. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So I invite you. You do this any way you want, okay? I'm going to invite you to crawl up in his lap. You might even ask him for, for a picture, for an experience of this. You know, can you feel him underneath you? What is it like to sit on his lap as his beloved child? Thank you, Jesus. And with great unity, we want to offer you a prayer, Jesus, while we're here, while we're here on the throne with you, sitting on your lap. We ask you for a miracle. We ask you to heal us of being so gullible, of letting the world have so much of how we believe. We repent. We turn away from the way the world has created barriers to just receiving and believing what you offer. And we ask you, Jesus, to restore the child. Grant us the ability to believe what we could never believe before. In the authority of the name of Jesus, I, I command that blindness must go in the name of Jesus. Be healed. And I thank you, Jesus, for opening our blind eyes. I ask you, Jesus, to, 
to open our ears. In the name of Jesus, I command, ears be open. You now have the ability to hear spiritual things like you never have before. We asked for that miracle. And Jesus said, if you ask in my name, you receive it. So Lord, even this prayer, I make this prayer to you from the heart of a child, just believing that your words are true. You are alive. We praise you as our healer, the one that opens our eyes. And Lord, finally, I pray that our hearts would be made into that soil. Forgive us for being so gullible and for hardening our hearts. And I ask you, Jesus, to release now um, the hearts that can understand. And I thank you that the I thank you that this means your fruit is about to be produced. I'm going to give you a minute just to stay sitting there on his lap and just do whatever you want with him. Praise him, thank him, hug him. Thank you, Jesus. And I I just make one final prayer. Lord, I pray for all those um, out on podcast or on video on the internet who just actually accepted Jesus. Um, I thank you for removing the religious barrier. I thank you for for granting a space for them to receive you. And I, I want to ask a blessing in the authority of your name, Lord, that um that their new life that they've just gotten and you cannot be hindered. I bind the enemy over what's just happened in the authority of your name and I bless their walk from here forward. Thank you, Jesus. And if that's you, if you're just out there, I just want to encourage you, wherever you are, um, find the local church by you that honors the name of Jesus and only the name of Jesus and they can help you um, understand and, and walk forward. Just I just want to give this one admonition. Don't let them, <laughs> anybody, anywhere, add the religious checkbox rules on top for you. Jesus set you free. Stay free. <laughs> God bless you. And we, we are dismissed. Mm-hmm.